Welcome back, everybody. War Room, the Hockey Podcast, episode 26. This week uh, is all about uh, continuing the tour around the NHL, division by division. This week is the Pacific Division, transferring over to the Western Conference this week and starting with the Pacific. Um, But first and foremost, we, uh, like always, uh, cover some headlines uh, locally first. uh, Penticton V's off to a 4-0 start to start the year. Uh, Tremendous um, in- including, let me rephrase that, including a tremendous come-from-behind win against the defending BCHL champions in Prince George. <laughs> They've been playing good hockey. Yep. Fred's got himself another another juggernaut this year. Uh, on, on Instagram, um, I posted a new weekly type uh, thing for players and teams to watch. Um, I posted uh, Carter Anderson. Uh, from the KIJHL um, Junior B, Revelstoke Grizzlies, uh, committed and moving on up to uh, the Langley Rivermen of the BCHL uh, to play Junior A for this for the 1920 season. Um, mentioned it on Instagram, but again, good luck to him this season. Langley off to a bit of a slow start, 0-3, but look for him to... Um, to hopefully make an impact there. Good opportunity for him, for sure. And now some RFA news. RFAs have been dropping a little Have Dominoes have been falling a little bit more now. Yep. Um, Charlie McAvoy signed. Yeah, that was about the quietest signing, and, and I was a little surprised to see, too, a big, young, right-shot, good-sized, mobile defenseman, maybe one of the better young defensemen in the league, signed pretty moderate cap hit. I mean, Charlie, uh, he was not somebody that was talked about much. Uh, be signed for 4.9. That, that could probably be considered a bridge deal too, don't you think, yeah. in Boston? Yeah, probably so. Um, speaking of bridge deals, um, Brock Besser signed last night. Yep. A very That was a very quiet signing. Yep. Because everything on Sportsnet that yesterday afternoon was that the two sides had started talking again, but they weren't close and then a couple hours later Besser signs yeah um three years at 5.8 million 5.8 yeah 5.8 so that's a that's big news for Vancouver that's a really good contract though I mean I I like that contract just like Charlie McAvoy's I like it for both sides is if the kid produces the way he's been uh, and and the same with with McAvoy or anybody else who signs a bridge deal. Now you have to produce in order to get the big jackpot on the next deal. Uh, so it puts the onus on the player, uh, but it also it also gives the team a headache that they've kicked down the road a ways. Because mm-hmm. now the what you want him to do is become a consistent forty goal scorer, but you know it's going to cost you a king's ransom if he does. Absolutely. But speaking of contracts, um, Mitch Marner signed as well. Uh, he's he's signed since our last episode, so we haven't ha- had a chance to mention it. He has signed six years in Toronto at 10.893, I right. believe is the specific number. That's what it was. Um, thoughts on that contract? A little too rich. You have you have now you now have four guys, and this is the issue that Toronto is going to run into now. You now have four guys taking up forty million of the cap. Correct, and you haven't, and you've got and you two still, years left with Freddie Anderson and, and Tyson Berry's up next year. Berry's up next year, and you've got 
uh, I mean, you've got that entire defense core basically is going to so be. So does up. that does that immediately now when we talk of windows, does that immediately take Toronto's window to basically winning now? It's now. It's officially now. When they made the Barry deal, and you you Marner, you, it's now. you win a cup now, or or before you know it, you're blowing things up and starting again before you've done anything. If blowing up, no, but but you've got to maybe not blowing you've got up, a but you've to do. You've got to probably you're going to lose. You're going to lose Barry if you don't do some significant juggling. You're going to lose Cody Cece. Uh, you're going to lose a, a significant piece of that defense core you're probably going to keep morgan riley around at whatever cost but uh, defensemen come cheaper as you can see by the yeah. by the mcavoy and brandon carlo signings in boston defensemen come cheaper but boy they've gonna there's some there's some hocus pocus going to be coming due in the next uh in the next calendar year mm-hmm. well uh, yeah here at warren the hockey podcast we try um i think it's okay to have um some emotion and some personal feelings toward things um, when you talk about a sport and a game you love and, and everything, because anybody, um, anywhere who loves a sport deep down is a fan of someone or something personally. Um, on that note, we know you are a personal, um, Maple Leafs fan. I am. Um, we know your personal feelings about William Nylander, (laughs) but I bring up Nylander, I bring up Nylander because I... This Marner deal immediately. Now, it was mentioned, uh, give reference and credit to uh, Tim and Sid on Sportsnet yesterday. Uh, but it was talked about there with Brian Burke. Um, how now they basically got no wiggle room with the cap. So come, say, trade deadline. If they need to do anything, they can't. This Nothing. is this is their team now. Absolutely. No matter what happens. Yeah, they're done. But. In looking at the contracts in Toronto, William Nylander, by proxy, has instantly become the expendable one. Right, and I, I because he is the he's the highest cap hit outside of the core guys. Yep, and so if you do need wiggle room, there will always be a team. No matter how we feel about Nylander, there will always be a team that wants a William Nylander. So if the time comes, come deadline or anywhere else that, okay, the Leafs need to do something, but they need to free up space to have some wiggle room, Nylander is your expendable one. He is. That's a tradable contract. That's a good point. But here's the only uh, here's the only reservation I would have in looking at this team over the next two or three years. They've got a great core under contract right now. If they were to come up and be unable in the offseason between now and and next year at this time, unable to re-sign Cody Ceci, Jake Muzzin, or Tyson Berry, their ability to backfill those guys from within with Rasmus Sandin or Tim Lilligren is going to be a lot better than their ability to backfill the top five or six forwards in Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, Kerfoot, Johnson, and Kapanen. They're they're not going to be able... I mean, I, I just don't see Bracco and guys like that stepping into the to those roles in the top six and being 20 or 25 goal scorers and impact players. I see their defense core being 
where they can they can rebuild from within without having to go to the cap. So maybe not. We'll see. This is going to be a telling year for the Marlies. Yeah. Speaking of contracts, I was while well, keeping up with some of the news yesterday. Um, I was taking some notes um, with some thoughts, and I just I had a thought of something to ponder a little bit. Um, yesterday, an individual on Twitter wrote in to Tim and Sid um, while they were talking Marner and Brian Burke was on and everything, and posed a an interesting question um, or an interesting thought, um, and it made me made me think and want to want to ask it to you and to myself here on recording. Um, just to ponder. Um, a lot can be said about how much a player's paid um, and whether they are worth the money or not, right? Um, but 2009, when Bergeron and Crosby signed their contracts, um, the cap ceiling was around $50 million. Yeah. Our own personal feelings about players and their worth aside, i.e. Nylander, Panarin, anybody yep. like that, is it reasonable, possible, or even fair to um, compare contracts signed 10 years ago or even three years ago when you think Nathan McKinnon and his steal of a contract oh. today? Wow. Um, is it fair to, and this is what the individual named Spencer, I believe was his name, um said yesterday, is it fair to compare contracts signed 10 years ago to contracts signed today? Yes, and here's why. If you look at them, if you look at every contract as a percentage of the cap, right. now, you've got a, now you've got a straight across comparison. If you look at it on the basis of Mitch Marner being better than Ovechkin, better than you know Pat Kane. I, that that's not the right comparison to make. As a when it's signed as a percentage of the cap, yes, good a, a good comparison that way. These guys, if the cap stays level, and that's for some reason there is indication from the CBA talks, that which by the way, that, uh, and we'll mention it, but there, but there, we'll mention it here in a second. But speaking of CBA labor piece for at least another three and years, through but we'll we'll get to that in a second before we transition quickly to the Pacific Division, which is what this episode is about, right? Um, but well, I it, I asked the question. Um, sorry to interrupt, but I asked the question because. Um, as percentages aside, a lot has changed. The cap has gone up, pay scales, different things like that. Um, my thoughts were exactly the same, that comparing is fair based on percentages. Um, if you're looking at it any other way, maybe it's not fair to compare because at the end of the day, Nathan McKinnon in Colorado has a steal of a contract, <laughs> but whether he, whether Miko Rantanen ends up making more money than him like present presently, yeah. You know that when when it's time to extend McKinnon, McKinnon will get his McDavid money. He will get his eleven, twelve million dollars, and so that's yes, not up for will. debate. That's that's no. not a question. So on that basis, maybe you don't compare because you know they're going to get paid. But if you're speaking percentage of the cap, percentage of the structure then it is fair because it's a fair comparison. Yep. Because that Crosby may make 9.5 million on a 50 million cap ceiling 
in 2009 and pick a percentage just to prove the point, Marner makes 10.893. That could be considered different teams, obviously, different situations, but it could be considered equal percentages to the cap based on how things have changed. Right. And and that's why when you see the when you see the RFAs signing, every one of them's different. Every guy is different. Every the players are all different. They play different roles. The teams are all different. They're in different positions as far as their ability to win or their ability to rebuild. They're in they're in different positions in the lineup. They're the teams are in different positions cap wise. So every one of those is independent of the other. But now you're seeing patterns start to emerge where the guy settling for longer-term deals like Marner at six years is getting paid quite heavily. The guys settling for shorter-term deals are betting on the next time around. I'm, I'm fascinated by some of this, not the least bit surprised, but it's, uh, it's going to be weird if even with Seattle coming into the league and everything that if the cap stays flat for two or three years, mm. some of these guys are going to be steals. One of the things I do not see much of anymore is a guy like Crosby who's going to sign a long-term deal back when you could sign those 10 year deals or 12 year deals. You know that back then Sid wasn't going anywhere. He was not, he's, he's going to be penguin from start to finish. If he hasn't won three cups right now, is that can we say the same thing? I mean, would would you say the same thing about Ovechkin? Can we say the same now thing if he the, hadn't won a cup? In what regard, the, the okay, would, contract, he, the money, will the, he be there forever? Oh, in Pittsburgh, for, yeah. Like you talk about right now, and we've already even talked about it on this show, where McDavid, in three or four years, he may still have some. You know, he'll still have some term left on his deal. But if they're still floundering around as a lottery team and trying to struggle their way into the playoffs, is McDavid figuring out a way to get out of Edmonton? How many guys do you think now will sign those long-term deals at 21 or 22 and retire in that sweater? Yeah, could be anything. I want to make I want to make one more point. I look I'm looking through everybody's roster, and you know I'm a I'm a fan of the development side of the game. I'm looking through everybody's rosters. I'm looking across the league, and and you know you're trying to figure out who's going to become whom this year. Mm-hmm. Which teams are going to go from a a middling team to a playoff team? Which ones are going to be go from lottery to contend to competitive? Which ones are going to go the other direction? Yeah. And I'm I'm telling you, there is a there is a crop of guys somewhere between coming their first year out of junior, maybe first year out of the show, out of the AHL, they may be in their second year in the show. But there's a crop of guys. I would just listen to these names. It'll only take me a second. Cody Glass, Thatcher Demko, Lilligren and Sandin in Toronto, Boris Kachuk, Cal Foote, and Taylor Radish in Tampa. Ottawa's got Batherson, Lejoie, Formanton, Brandstrom. There's Noah Dobson, Hosang, and Dal Cole, and Bellows on Long Island. You got Mike McLeod in New Jersey. You got Paling and Juleson in Montreal. Owen Tippett in Florida. 
Evan Bouchard may be one of the most pivotal players in the entire NHL this year, Evan Bouchard in Edmonton. If he emerges as a top pair or at least top four guy, that franchise can turn quickly. If he is one of those guys that they think is going to flounder around for another year or two in the A, that sets that whole franchise back. And that's what all these guys do. The same with Bowen Byram and Connor Timmons, uh, along with Marty Kaut and Shane Bowers. That's a great crop of guys. If they take a stride, holy crap, is that team good all of a sudden? They already are. You've got, uh, I mean, you just look at, look what you've got in Anaheim. You got Sam Steele, Troy Terry, Jones, Comtois. I mean, you're all over the league. You've got these guys that may be unproven, may be questionable, even if they stick in the lineup. But if they have that emerging season, that William Carlson kind of year, they're going to take a team onto a real real trampoline as far as getting their growth done. And, and so these are names to watch, and there's none of them better than Evan Bouchard. On a team like Tampa, the guys like Kachuk and Foot and Radish, they give you cap freedom. Now you can peddle somebody like Tyler Johnson or somebody else. Well, there's none, based on those names, there's none better than Bouchard. Maybe not skill-wise, but... The way I view it is there's none better than Bouchard as to what he could mean to his team if he takes off. Absolutely pivotal guy who has never played a minute in the show. And like he in, in Colorado, Kale McCarr is fantastic. But Kale McCarr is also coming into a team with Sam Girard and Nathan McKinnon right. and these guys. He's and piece. with exception of McDavid... Bouchard is stepping into a place, and nothing against Darnell Nurse or anybody like that, but he's stepping into a team with exception to Connor McDavid. Doesn't have much that can really be pivotal for the franchise. So if he steps in and he can play good minutes and he can he can do those things, then he can. There's none better than him based on the impact he can have for a team that is looking for a turnaround. That's right. So. That's I right. will agree with that. But transitioning here before yep, we before we to get the... to the Atlantic Division, uh, we touched on it. Let's touch on it one more time just to close this out. Labor peace, NHLPA decides to not reopen, not opt out of the current CBA and reopen a new one. Um, this isn't to say there won't be a work stoppage, but not at least at anyway. least until for the next three years, um, there will be hockey. Um, one and that's one positive thing that I take based on lockout in 0405, shortened season in 2012. They seem to be trending in the direction of, um, and see. I want to see if you share the sentiment. They seem to be trending in the direction of playing the game while finding a solution yes. rather than going on strike and folding their arms. Yeah. And that's a positive. So keep labor peace, keep negotiating, play hockey for the next three years. You have, for all intents and purposes, three years to find a solution. Yeah. Play hockey while doing it rather than rather than saying, screw you and and don't hoop. And the then fans the fans again. and everybody suffer because Good now grief. you want you want your eleven point five million instead of eleven point two. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's an overly simplistic, exaggerated example, yeah. but it proves the point. It's, so, the, it's the perfect example because it, th this indicates since the league and the PA have both 
said, yes, we're fine. Let's go, let's go on with this and not choose to reopen. It's an indication, even though neither side would really come out and say it, they're both very happy with what they have. Both the only the players don't like escrow, but escrow is clearly not going anywhere. No, if you're and, to believe the league, but and neither is restricted free agency, mm-hmm. even though the teams don't like that. So there are some tweaks that need to be made. But in the past, whether it was salary cap or the length of term of contract or whatever the situation was, there were major overhauls that need to be made, and they were sticking points for one side or the other or both. Now it's little adjustments to make it better for everybody. So I'm, I'm confident in it now. They look happy, and I think everybody's going to be uh, is going to be getting back to the business of the game as opposed to the business of the business. Yep, absolutely. Well, normally under normal circumstances, I um, anybody who listens knows that we uh, we finish headlines, we, we start to transition, um, and then we take a little pause. Uh, this week we're just going to go right into it. I think that's the best solution this week. Just yep. head head right into to talk uh, let's roll preseason games are already underway uh there's more tonight uh season's heading right for us at full steam uh rfas seem to be falling some still have yet to go but they seem to be falling at least consistently right now um so two weeks to puck drop yep two weeks before start of the season so hopefully matthew kachuk and miko ranton and these guys can get it figured out um before anything, hit the pause button on on your your listening device um, to hit the subscribe button, rate and review for us, and settle in for episode number twenty six. Warm the hockey podcast this week, the Pacific Division on our continued tour around the league before opening night. Um, Warm the hockey podcast presented by North Paw Media. Proud to to work with uh, Breakaway Brewing in the in the Okanagan, as well as Ryan Walter. Leadership guru. He leads leadership retreats. Retired NHL. Um, travels around visiting businesses, giving them advice and inspiration on on how to be effective leaders, not only in business but in your community. RyanWalter.com. Check him out. War Room Hockey Podcast, episode number twenty six. Pacific Division this week. Here we go. Uh, starting off, um, I think we touched on it. I think. We should start with Edmonton. We touched we touched on Evan Bouchard, so I think um, I think we continue the natural transition into it. Uh, start with the Oilers. Let's do. Um, I I still I still think we need an entire show devoted to the Edmonton Oilers, but let's hit the high marks. Throw out the high and the low. They've got the you know you don't need to talk about McDavid and Drysaddle. They're pretty solid in guys like Nuge and. Uh, you know, even guy. Uh, there's a guy that I cannot say enough good things about, and that's Zach Cassian. Big fan of Zach Cassian, but they've uh, got they've well here they've got pieces that I think Oilers fans um, can obviously be excited about. Yeah. Darnell Nurse is not a slouch on the back end, no. um, and obviously the obvious being Connor McDavid. Um, to me, though, I look through their them and still. I don't buy them as contenders. No. no. Long, I, I, I don't I, buy them as contenders this year. I don't buy them as contenders long term. Um, if he can find his game, James Neal is no slouch he's a putting the puck guy. in the in the net. Yep. Um, despite his age, um, Mike Smith proved last year in Calgary that he can still play. Um, 
Big fan of Dave Tippett. And Dave Tippett is fantastic. Big fan of Dave I was I was convinced, and you heard me several weeks ago, I was convinced there's no way he's going to coach in Edmonton. He's, he's the consultant. He's the advisor in Seattle. And here he is. Yep. Big fan of him. Um, he did tremendous things in Arizona, taking them to the playoffs and and. Com- and a competitive nature. He has a relationship with, with Mike with Smith yeah. and things. Um, so there's a lot of positive things early on and on paper. Um, I just, I don't buy them completely because I just, I still look at it and I don't see a supporting cast for Connor McDavid that can be a true secondary scoring and yeah. true contender there's a kid in their system that they need to step up he was a top pick in the whl uh four or five years ago tyler benson local boy i believe from um from the edmonton area there i know or is he from calgary anyway i know he's a he's an alberta kid uh had a real good junior career and he's now 21 and they need him to step forward they need kyler yamamoto to step up there's some guys in that system that they need to fill from within to start taking some scoring depth and some pressure off of the that front end because they're just not you know, there may be four or five real impact players deep and that's about it. Marcus Granlin needs to have a, a breakout year. He needs to do something at the age of twenty six. He's a bargain, but he's gotta step up and he's got the skill to do it. They just the only thing that you have to wonder watching Dave Tippett coach in Phoenix over the years is he got he got more out of less in Arizona than maybe any coach in the league with during that same period of time uh, did with their team. So maybe he can get a guy like Granlund, uh, Alex Chason, Sam Gagne, James Neal, Riley Sheehan. Maybe there's guys there that he can get more out of. But I agree with you. They're probably on the bottom looking up. I... I think they are. Um, I think they need some quality pieces. Yep. And I know that teams are teams are built through the draft nowadays, but I can't say that Edmonton is going to be one of those teams just on the basis that they've they've had the first overall pick, if not a top ten lottery pick in eight of the past ten years or whatever. Several of which, Pugliarvi and Yakupov, failed, disappeared, and others have either been traded, like Eberly, or haven't done anything for you because you're still not filling the needs. They have drafted poorly, like as as an epic science. They have drafted so poorly and traded as poorly. And that's why you can have pieces like Dreisaitl and McDavid and Darnell Nurse in your lineup and still be wondering how long it's going to take to rebuild. Because they just, there were years where they went and did not produce an NHL player out of their draft, even with the number one overall pick. And then you trade away Taylor Hall. And, I mean, you just combine a couple of those flunked out picks. I mean, these are, this Pugliarby kid, he is... To put him in the same category with Yakupov, wow, uh, that's a. Those are just colossal failures. But anyway, forget how you got here. Yeah. What do you do now? And they still need some work, and that it's going to have to build from within. It may not be a fun question, but um, is it a ticking clock 
on McDavid's patience before he decides he wants to be somewhere else. And I know it still may be early in his career, and it still may be early in this and that. But at what point do you at what point do you see the, the writing on the wall that a team's not going to do what they need to to put a winning team on the ice, and your star player wants out? Is it a ticking clock? Has the clock started? If it has, how much longer do you think yeah. it can be tolerated before you start to at least hear questions? It's hard to say about this kid. He's he's a great kid overall. He's a, he's as good of a kid as he is a player. But boy, you just you cannot have a personality like Connor McDavid and have that kind of a competitive streak in you and not get fed up before long. Well, that's why I asked. If I'm if I'm taking a stab at it, I'm telling you by he's got two more years there before he starts to make noise. They they've got to do something. The trouble is. I don't see it. They drafted Broberg, which is a nice move, and they've got a couple of guys coming along. Bouchard's the guy we talked about. But if they don't start getting some step up out of these guys, they've got a they've got an entire busload of C minus guys from the middle of that lineup down to the minor leagues that they've got to start getting some overachievement out of. And maybe Tippett's the guy for the job. Yeah. I hope so because he's one of the great ones. Yeah. Well, moving on. Uh, to a team that just missed the playoffs that I think will be in the playoffs this year, Arizona. I think they can be in the playoffs this year. They made some moves this offseason to bring in leadership to counteract um, the youth a little bit. They traded Galchenyuk and brought in Kessel, Yep. uh, proven goal scorer. They um, brought in Carl Soderberg, who is a veteran and a and has proven to be a 20-goal scorer in the bottom six to provide some depth and secondary scoring. Uh, they re-signed Clayton Keller, uh, or extended him, and I think there's a lot of positive things in Arizona that will see them find the postseason, at least in a wild-card spot this year. I'll bet you a but, breakaway brew that they do not make the playoffs. Really? Yeah, I'm not buying what they're selling. They're um, they are they <clears throat> are average can, at least average up front. This cannot be because of how you feel about Vinny Henestrosa. <laughs> okay, so make sure that we make sure that your your bet to me that they won't make the playoffs doesn't have to do with your personal feelings to Vinny Henestrosa. No, this has to do with your goaltenders being you know Darcy Kemper's up. He's a solid guy. He's 29, and he's still a. a you still got to say he's unproven. Anti Ranta, I don't know where. Where are you with this guy? Is can he be depended on every night? On the back end, Jomerson and Goligoski are pretty good defensemen. Jake Chikrin is coming along. Jason Demers is okay. Ekman Larson is. Uh, he's a. I don't know if I would put him in the stud category, but he's. He's rock solid as a top player. Well, I mean, guy. I mean, looking at him on paper, they've got nothing that really jumps out. They're going to have trouble scoring so goals. So it could like be, it could be either way. I think there's, there's enough to them though that you could, you could possibly see them at least squeak in. Could be if things bounce right. Yep. But it, they don't have much that jumps out. They don't have. Derek Stepan's not a slouch. No. Um, 
Clayton Keller is a a young a young guy um, and everything who and but Clayton Keller is the closest thing to a superstar that they have. Correct. And Clayton Keller to me is not a superstar at least in the sense of a guy you build a team around. You know who's still- and they do, they don't so they don't in that basis they don't have that superstar the way Tampa has Kucherov and Colorado has McKinnon and Edmonton has McDavid and um, Toronto has Marner I mean or what or Matthews or I mean go down the list so they don't have that what that you, guy yeah and what you're saying here is that Clayton Keller is the guy who's going to have to be he's going to have to be that he's guy have to be that guy and the Can question he is carry it? and the question and so for me let me let me backtrack here for me, the selling point of whether they make the playoffs is is what kind of year Clayton Keller has. And he's not he's not a superstar, but he's the driving force of that team because he's the closest thing to it. Right. So if he can put up career numbers and they stay relatively healthy, maybe they can cobble a year together and squeak in. Could be. But when I say squeak, I mean squeak. Well, I, I so, go back to the old but, example in Toronto when the top line was Kessel, JVR, and Bozak. All real good players, all solid pros, and good long-term careers. Top line guys, tough to game plan against? Absolutely not. I don't see Keller being the guy that can carry a team and, and make you spread the depth to the second and third lines. I don't see it. I do like a couple of things that they have got in their system. They got Barrett Hayden. They got Nick Merkley, Tyler Steenbergen. You know who they still have messing around in their minor league system at the age of 27 is Bo Bennett. I saw that, yeah. So there's some guys there that really it's time to step up, and there's opportunity for these kids to step up because this is a forward group that is going to have trouble scoring goals. There's a lot of guys in that uh, in that group that are 30 years old or more. They're not the quickest. They're not the youngest. They there's a, there's a place there for a kid like Steenbergen or somebody to catch on and maybe get a chance to play with a kid like Keller or you know even uh, Christian Dvorak's another one that needs to step up. But that's a team that again, it, like almost everybody in the league, if you want to go from lottery to competitive, from competitive to contender, or from contender to genuine final, you know, final series team, you've got to take two or three guys out of your system and have them step into a bigger role. They've got to have some overachievers. And do they have that? Nobody knows, but I'm, I'm not, I would put none of my money on it. Here's except for the beer that you're going to owe me when the season's (laughs) over. Here's a question mark team. Um, for me. Okay. And it'll depend on what their pipeline looks like. But we'll get to that. The question team is San Jose. Good Le- question. They lose Pavelski. Yep. Um, they re-sign Joe Thornton for a year. Logan Couture is now your captain. Right. Thomas Hurdle is no slouch. Dylan Gambrell has potential. Um, Evander Kane can play. Evander Kane can can play. Timo Meyer. Uh, Kevin LeBanc is proven to be a guy who can compete. Yep. But Timo Meyer, yeah, don't want to forget him. But 
the core of their team is on the other side of 30. Don't forget Jumbo, who's now on the well, old, he's coming up on that's 40. What I mean, that's and- what I mean. <laughs> they re-up Eric Carlson to a massive extension. Yeah. But he's 30, 31, 29, 30. Brent Burns is 35, 34, 35. Burns, he's still so... I mean, he's he's not, effective. He's not the least bit of thirty-five. I know, but my point. I know is, what you mean. Um, Joe Thornton is now on the other side of forty. Martin Jones, no slouch, just like Burns. Yeah, but the other side of thirty. For every guy on the other side of thirty that a team has, you need. You gotta have some kids. Several kids, yep. and LeBanc can play. Timo Meyer can play. Uh, Vander Kane competes. Thomas Hurdle is no slouch. Um, they've got they've got some of these guys in the lineup, but is their pipeline built as such that if they don't win the cup this year and Joe Thornton retires and things start to turn over age wise and whatever else, do they have the pipeline to stay within a window to continue to compete? Not for long. I mean, or is San Jose another example? Um, different scenario than Toronto. Toronto is f- financial, right? This is San Jose more age and things, but they're similar to Toronto in, or are they similar to Toronto in that their window is now? Their window there is, is now in in their the West was two years ago, and if they don't do it. Two years ago, which they didn't, if they don't do it now, and they lose Thornton, and they lose this guy in free agency, and they can't re-up LeBanc, who only signed a one-year deal, remember? Right. And 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 Timo Meyer decides that, okay, I'm stuck in a rebuild here, and I want out, or anything like that. Are, I, are you looking at a team that went from cup-contending favorites in the West for how many years in a row to floundering because they're the core of their team is aging out they mortgaged a lot to put this team together and keep it together and doug wilson let me say is one of one of the masterful gms in the league because his teams never seem to go from the penthouse to the outhouse they never seem to have to be in that full rebuild mode but he's a year or two from that if something doesn't give i mean I, I can't believe Logan Couture is already 30, but he is. And, and Evander Kane, I mean, these are guys that can play. Timo Meyer, like you said, Hurdle, Melker Carlson, the, uh, Kevin LeBanc, even Barkley Goudreau puts some sandpaper in that lineup. Not bad. Very sturdy on defense all the way down to five or six. Uh, but, wow, they have just mortgaged so much that this is not a real healthy pipeline. I mean, when I when I look through any blue chip prospects in their pipeline right now, I'm seeing Ryan Merkley on defense and and a whole bunch of other guys that are that may honestly look in their minor league system. There might not be two NHLers in there right now. I don't know. I, I just I'm not seeing it. They're just as far as blue chips, it's going to have to be somebody out of nowhere. Yep. I don't buy them. I don't think I think they're. If they keep everything really together, and Pete DeBoer is a good coach, if they really 
perform and stay healthy, they could be a wild card team. But this is a this is a franchise that's headed over the backside right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, speaking of teams that I think are well within a competitive window for a while, Vegas. Oh yeah. Uh, first of all, a congratulations uh, to Shea Theodore for beating cancer. Yes. Good for Good him. Good kid. Good for him. Hell of a player yep. on the back end. Good for him. They're they're well within a window. Oh, for sure. That's is this is a team. And that their would... pi- their pipeline has been built very very well. <laughs> Cody Glass. Yeah. I mean, yeah. go down the list. Right. Um. So I think uh, I do. I see them necessarily maybe winning a cup. That that's fifty fifty, but I think they are well within a window to at least compete for it. They are. They would not surprise. They should not surprise anybody. If they are, if they come out of the West this year, it really shouldn't shock anyone. And they're built to be good for the long term. I see one Achilles heel with this team, and that's if Flurry gets hurt. They're, they, I hate to say it, Malcolm Subban's not the guy. He is not somebody that you want to spend two and a half months with, if. Flower goes down with a major injury. Garrett Sparks is the other, uh, the other goaltender in that system. And he's not proven. Nobody is. He's not shown much confidence not proven in there. him. Um, the, but but that being said, they got a mountain of assets that they could turn into a real good goaltender if anything was to har- yeah. happen to Mark Andre Fleury. They have they are as loaded as anybody with assets. They've done a really nice job there, and this is a team that from from. 12 forwards and six defensemen every night uh, down into their minor league system. They are, they are stacked and they're stacked for the long haul, but and yeah, that's you know the one what? place I, that things could go wrong. Yeah. But they got a guy on, on the back end in Vegas that I think every team would love to have. And that's Nate Schmidt. <laughs> love that guy. Fun loving guy who loves yep. the game and just, and he's good. Yep. I mean, he's a good defenseman. He's not just a fun loving locker room guy. He, he, He's a solid guy on the back end he's, and uh, f- seems to be fun to be around. And if I'm, a, if I'm any team in the league, if I'm 30, 31 other teams, including Seattle, even though they're not there yet, he's a guy or the type of guy that you want. Yep. He's a, he's a great one. And when you, when you put him together with Shea Theodore, who's one of the most mobile two-way defensemen in the league— uh, you throw in the grit and the solid veteran leadership of Derek England, uh, Braden McNabb, Nick Holden. This is a that's a good defense uh, all the way down, and they've got they can put twelve very scary forwards on the ice every night. I mean, this is a this is a team that can score from the third and fourth line, and they've got a they got a minor league pipeline that is just the envy of the got to be the envy of the, of the league. Uh, I love what these guys have done. Uh, McPhee has done a great job with the opportunity that the league fed him with the expansion deal. So your your $650 million check gets you an opportunity <laughs> to compete every year, and he's done a real nice job with that. Mm-hmm. Kai's coming out. We mentioned Cody Glass, Jake Lecision, Jake uh, Curtis Lecision's boy. Um, they've got... Uh, They've got some kids coming out of this uh, this system that are 
you know, Brett Learnout on defense. Uh, they've got some guys coming, but if Vegas gets a chance, they need to make a deal for somebody's cast out goaltender at the deadline. So, no, I buy Vegas in, in the Pacific and in the West. I, I think they're, again, they will be near the top again. Absolutely right. Um, they're well they're well within a competitive window. The team that I question, the team that I'm not sold on is L.A. Big struggles in L.A. Uh, kind of like San Jose in that regard. Um, and I'll, I'll look to you to kind of fill everybody in on their pipeline. But... Very, very similar to San Jose. There's a lot of question marks in their lineup that not only age-wise, but just looking at guys I've never heard of, looking at guys that just, <laughs> I don't I don't think they're there, and I think they're going to have another year floundering. I, you got Anze Kopitar, who's now he's 32. 32. Yep. You got Dustin Brown, who's right there with Kopitar. Yep. You have um, Ilya Kovalchuk. Which is you want to talk about contracts that are that are yeah. overpaid and contracts of a guy who's not worth anything. We need to. Put he's thirty six in- years old and he's making how much money? <laughs> and he did nothing last year. And he's gonna. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna tell you right now. He probably does nothing again this year. Do nothing this year. You I got mean, Tyler we- Toffoli, who's now twenty eight years old. Can I just rail on Ilya Kovalchuk <laughs> for just a minute? Put a couple of. I knew when I said. I knew when I said his his oh name that you'd go off. Gosh, Drew Doughty, who good defenseman. Um, I'm a big fan of Doughty. Hot hot take though, overrated. He's done a lot of running his mouth uh, in the past few years about guys like Brent Burns constantly getting beat, and then he goes out and constantly (laughs) gets beat. Let's go the personal route for a second. Overrated, Drew Doughty. Um, And then, don't get me started on his feud with Matthew Kachuk. Oh, I know. But um, Drew Doughty is 31. 29. 29, 30, 31. In that range, I mean... I, th- I think they did their winning in 12 and 14, and I think they're the right they're team. on the other side of things. Yep. Unless you unless their pipeline is something to really be excited about. They are um, they are big up front. They're a, still a straight north team. They're still that north north south team that Daryl Sutter won the cup with, uh, in Kovalchuk and Brown and Carter and Toffoli and. And uh, Trevor Lewis, and uh, you know, uh, even Adrian Kempe, they're they're not bad up front. So they've got they've got at least three lines that can score, and three four lines that can bang throw bodies. So not so bad up front. Decent on defense. Martinez is solid. Derek Forbert is solid. Uh, they've got four defensemen they can throw at you, uh, and I'm I'm still a big supporter of Drew Doughty. They're solid in goal, even though Jack Campbell has never become the Jack Campbell that everybody thought they were that he was going to be. But they've got uh, they got a couple kids to watch in their system. I think uh, you might get a chance to see Gabe Velarde this year if he uh, if he takes his step. He's 20, and it's time for him to go. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I. I wish I hadn't even seen the name Marty Furk uh, in the. I struggle with predictions. The buy a vowel guy down there, and still in the minor leagues yeah. at twenty five. But I struggle and, with the predictions because I know we kind of need to, 
that's kind of the job here, yeah. right, to predict. I struggle with it, though, just on the basis of of how easily you could be wrong. I mean, it was a couple years ago that you that you predicted that Chicago would miss the playoffs and they won the Central. Yep. I mean, so... I was any, a year any, too early with that. Anything... It, yeah, and, and then the next year they floundered. <laughs> right. but But the point is... Predictions are one of those things where you, you want to be careful with the arrogances to which you make them, I guess, more so than sim- than the fact of making a prediction, simply because of how easily, once the game is played, yeah, anything can happen. Um, but I, I see L.A. still having a ways to fall before they start to trend back in the, in the upwards trajectory. Yeah. And um, the, it... I just I just don't see him see him there again nope. this year. They're they're probably their best blue chipper uh, up front uh, that that we've not seen yet is Gabe Velarde. Uh, they've got two defensemen to watch that are both very young, and you will see in the show soon and maybe playing a, a major role soon based on the depth of their defense. And that's Kale Clegg and Sean Dursey. Mm-hmm. They got Dursey in the um, in the trade with Toronto for. Um, Muzzin. Yeah. So those are two guys coming along, but it's not enough. And so this is a team that, that spent its capital uh, five years ago and have allowed themselves, because they've been drafting low and made a couple of trades, they've allowed themselves to stay stagnant with a whole lot of guys between the age of 28 and 35, uh, especially on Including the Ilya Kovalchuk. Oh, my gosh. I... <laughs> You, they're just honestly, you know, Rob Blake was a good player, and uh, and I like Todd McClellan. I'm I'm all uh, I've, I'm not taking shots at those guys necessarily, but what in the bloody world are you thinking? Signing Ilya Kovalchuk for six point two five, and now you're stuck with that guy for another three years. I don't get it. I don't get how you keep your job doing crap like that. Honestly. I mean, he was a he flunked out of New Jersey, flunked out of Atlanta, and he even fl- he basically. I mean, he put up numbers, but basically, since he came back, and he came back for money more than anything, but because he came back, he even you could even say he maybe even flunked out of the K. He did, and and that's saying something. I know. So I mean, he put up numbers, but it still was the K. Yeah. And and how in the world after he hooped Lou Lamorello. How in the world anybody signs that guy is beyond me. And honestly, I got no axe to grind with Rob Blake, certainly Todd McClellan, um, or anybody in the organization. But if you sign Ilya Kovalchuk, you've got to just accept the curse that goes with that. And, well, because we are so many years past Ilya Kovalchuk, 40-plus <laughs> goals, Atlanta, right. Atlanta Thrasher days. Yes. So... Uh, Anyway, the difference though between LA with LA is they've got a ways to fall and their pipeline has a few guys but isn't stacked. A team though that has struggled in the past few years, but actually looking at them on paper, of course, until the game starts getting played this season, everything is on paper. On paper, at least, is a team that I think is closer to rebounding rather than falling as Anaheim. I agree and I figured you were going to say that uh, uh, when you when you let in. 
I mean, they've got the ability to say, to put, if they want to, for cap reasons, put Patrick Eves and Ryan Kessler on LTIR. Right. Because they're they're out for the year. In in fact, Ryan Kessler probably will never play again. I don't know so much about Eves, but Kessler surely is not going to be... I mean, Eves is 35, so... I, th- I presume both those guys will be on LTIR, which is, well, that's $10 million if they can put those guys on LTIR. But Adam Henrique is no slouch. I like Max that Jones it has tremendous potential. Andre Kasha. Um, they've, Troy Terry. Yep. Um, I mean, go down the list. Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie. Carter Rowney. Uh, Devin Shore is no slouch. Um, Sam Steele. I mean, up front. And even on the back end, with guys that are still under contract like Cam Fowler and Lindholm, um, they, they, they're Josh Manson is tremendous. Yep, um, they're a team um, that I could see, maybe even more so than Arizona. Like I said, that I yeah. could see back in the playoffs I, this year. This goes back to the discussion. Then they're they're absolutely they're absolutely rock solid in goal with John Gibson. So, and I'm, whoa, I, whoa, 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 whoa. I say that only because I don't want my phone to light up when our, everybody's favorite Ducks fan hears this, but Gibby's solid. Uh, and they've got, th- this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show, these kids and watch Max Comtois. He's a plucky little guy. His goal scorer. He, he's just as, you know, who he reminds me of is uh Tarasenko. He's built like Tarasenko. He can shoot the puck. He's got uh, he's got really kind of sleepy quickness, and I really like him as a long term guy. If he got the soccer player flop out of him <laughs> from the World Juniors, then I like him. The if he starts flopping around and doing things the way he did in the World Juniors, per on a personal level, he goes up on the list of guys I don't like, <laughs> along the, with Brad Marchand, but. The NHL will will beat that out of him. He, that won't last. But long. if he but, won't come but, out of camp with but if that. But if he if he at least goes to the corners and competes and can be that type of guy, then absolutely. And on paper, production wise, yes, he's another guy that you can name that um, that can really add to this team, making it back to the playoffs and and being right back in the thick of things. Um, there's another guy I want to I want to point out one more name. Oh, and Owen oh, and our favorite Ducks fans' favorite signing this offseason. I remember telling him about this signing, and he just went off. Andreas Martinson. <laughs> Never going to see the light of day. <laughs> Watched for Josh Mahura on yep. defense. He's uh, this is his year. He should be there. He should be on that at least on the third pair. Uh, Josh Mahura's time is now to to step in, but if these guys Steele, Jones, Comtois, uh, Mahura, if if uh, if these guys step up and actually play to the potential that everybody believes they have coming from junior and coming through the A, and all of them had by the way real good years last year in the AHL, uh, this is a team that could go from from basically lottery to wild card if they if they can get it done because Fowler and Lindholm are solid and like you said Manson is uh is rock sturdy Brendan Gooley is it, it's time for him to step along now too at 22 he should get a shot 
here's the here's the only troubling thing right now as of this airing the troubling thing that i hear in anaheim is that they are trying the they may be actually trying to pedal kasha on a team that has had a lot of trouble scoring goals pedaling kasha for a defenseman you heard that one i i have um i remember um yeah, I, I did. I heard Kasha. I heard Kasha was going to be involved in a deal for Line. A. That's where I heard Kasha's name in. Really? That Anaheim um, was in, same with the Panthers and things like that, on potentially getting a deal done for, for Line. A. Wow. And that Kasha was one of the pieces that would go back. Now, that I had not heard. But if I'm in Anaheim, I don't want to see Kasha go because he's one of those guys along with Henrik and Terry and Nick Ritchie and everybody that is the future of this team. Yep. And I, I, sh- I, don't, is- I don't buy moving him for Patrick Laine simply because Patrick Laine can put the puck in the net. If you put that kid, he's a, like, like we've said before, he's a one-trick pony, but if you can put that kid with the right guys, um, you know, Liney is a perennial 40-goal scorer with his skill set. He can't, he can't check, he can't pass, he can't kill penalties, he can't do much of anything else except score, but that's enough for some guys. Ovi made, a, Ovi made an absolute career of it. So, hey, more power to him. If they get a goal scorer back for Kasha, okay, but a defenseman, I, I don't buy that part. No, but in the Pacific Division, there to me, there's top teams, same as last year: Vegas and Calgary. I I think a team that should be excited f- for four reasons. There's four reasons that the Vancouver Canucks should be excited. Oh. Patterson. Yep. Besser. Michael Furland. Yep. Adding him. And the guy who I would argue is your is the Canucks next captain, Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat. Listen, I to me, Bo Horvat reminds me a lot of a leader like a Landskog, like yep. a Taves, somebody who can be that t- leader. He reminds me a lot of Landeskog simply on his size and that power forward nature. Couldn't agree more. But those are four reasons up front, along with guys like Stetcher and, and guys like that um, on the back end, adding Jordy Ben, Tyler Myers, Quinn Hughes. Yeah, uh, There's a lot of reasons, but there's four re- main reasons up front. Besser, Pedersen, Furland, and Bo Horvat. That if I'm Vancouver, and it may or may not happen this year, but if I'm Vancouver, I'm excited and I'll at the you, future because I, that is that's a future that's happening now in Vancouver. Absolutely agree. I and and to add to that, you've got the depth of J.T. Miller, Brandon Sutter, Tanner Pearson. Uh, you got grit in Antoine Roussel, who's one of the most lovable, hate hateful guys in the league. Jay Beagle, Josh Levo, who found a home there last year, mm-hmm. Jake Vertanen, who I'm a big fan of, and that's just up front. 
you've got Travis Green behind the bench, and these guys were playing their hearts out for Travis Green. Uh, and on defense, you know, they picked up Myers. They've got Chris Tanev, who I really like, Jordy Ben, Troy Stetcher, Quinn Hughes. And for depth, you've got Edler and Biega and Oscar Fantenberg. So they're, they're good in goal, and here we are again. There's Thatcher Demko, who mm-hmm. may be thrust into the into the forefront if Markstrom struggles again this year as he did part of last year. So there's there's just a there's a lot of stuff to be excited about in uh, in Vancouver and in the Western Conference. They are um, they're probably my my sleeper for a team that's going to really scare the heck out of people. I think they are that good, and and they're well coached. So this is a team that that should not shock anybody at the end of the year if they're at least a wild card team at the very minimum. Yeah. Now the question I have to close out the Pacific Division: We finally reached the <laughs> pinnacle of the Pacific Division last season. Um, outed in five games in the first round last year. Are they Are they true with the additions they brought in? Lucic specifically and Cam Talbot in net. Are the Calgary Flames cup contenders in the West? Or are they still... Maybe a favorite in the Pacific, but not there. You competitive-wise come playoff time. Couple things you have to wonder about, and not the least of which is in goal. They signed they signed Riddick not to a rich thing, but for he's I think he's got two years left at two point seven, which is not a big deal. But can you count on the combination of Riddick and Talbot? Number one. Lucic is not going to turn it around. If he becomes an effective third liner, an energy guy, fourth liner, maybe he can pitch in 10 goals or something, maybe 20 points. I don't know. But they've got to get Kachuk signed. And if you can continue to get some mileage out of Austin Zarnick, Mark Jankowski, I think Dylan Dubé may step up this year and get a regular spot. Bennett, Froelich is solid. Uh, Elias Lindholm has kind of outkicked his coverage last year. If he can, and he and Backlund can do it again with Monaghan and Gaudreau, that's a real formidable forward group. Giordano, Hannafin, Brody, Travis Hamanick, uh, Oscar Killing, Oliver Killington, and they re-signed Mike Stone recently. They're, they're solid on defense. So if they stay healthy, the question mark there, as it was last year, is in goal. Because Bill Peters does a nice job with the, with the fundamentals on this team. So, they are absolutely somebody who should be at the top. They will expect to be at the top. Yeah, shouldn't be shouldn't be a shock to anyone. As for as for the pipeline, a lot of unprovenness back there. Uh, like we'll see, they've they've had to go to the well and, and bring some of these guys along. But I, I mean, in their pipeline, their biggest name guy that's more the most well known is Dylan Dubé. Yeah, and I, I expect Dylan Dubé to get a full-time job this year. And uh, and what leave, what that leaves them with is Tyler Parsons and John Gillies, both of which are goaltenders who, especially in Gillies' case, who's 25 now, it's time for him to make a move, uh, and this may be a year that he gets the opportunity to do so. They, they have to keep 
a pretty short leash on their goaltenders. They this is a team that's too good everywhere else to let Talbot uh, and Riddick cost them more than you know four out of five losses. And it's time to go back to the back to the minor leagues and see if you can't find somebody that see if you can't find that Jordan Bennington somewhere. Well, to me, and that could be Parsons or Gillies, either one. To me, the team, the two teams in Alberta share that question mark, for sure. In yep. that, I mean, Smith proved, especially in the playoffs, even though they were outed in five games, he proved that he he can play. But he's also thirty-seven, and he's had enough inconsistencies that you combine him with Koskinen, and if either one of them goes down. Is the other one somebody you can rely on to win you 15 games while the other one recovers? Um, Just give you a chance. And not to circle back to a team we've already covered, but um, that's another question in a long list of questions in Edmonton. Yep. Um, We won't touch on the others again, but that's another question that they they have that is a similarity to their um, to their stepbrother in Calgary and that's in goal. Yep. And that's why the old saying goes, you want me the best goaltender in the league, I'll show you the coach of the year. Yeah. And you're basically only as good as your goaltender. So you've got to get these guys, whether it's whether it's a guy like Bennington, whether it's uh Carter Hart, wherever you're gonna find this guy, you've got to have a goaltender that can find lightning in a bottle. The way Fleury did in the playoffs a couple of years ago. When a guy gets hot like that a team like Calgary can't be beat if you find that, but you've got to have it because the rest of that team is real rock solid. And uh, and when you see it, then then you've got it. I did. I remembered who I was thinking of, and I I know now why I couldn't remember the trade for Andre Kasha that I heard of was Justin Falk. Right, right. And forgive why? me, forgive me. I want to go back. It wasn't Line. It was Justin Falk. Oh, okay. It was just. Okay. It wasn't Line. It was Justin Falk. Right. I remember and hearing I a Line that. A rumor that teams like Anaheim and Florida were in, and so my brain just switched it because I was drawing a blank. But it was. It was Kasha for Justin Falk, and I'm not personally on a personal level. I'm not a Ducks fan, but also an objective hockey guy. There's so many reasons why I I don't get that trade rumor. I don't get that trade. If I'm Anaheim, I just don't. No. And and to the point where it's that trade was so rumored that the rumor was it's a done deal. All it needs is Falk's signing on the dotted line that he's waving his NTC <sighs> to go to Anaheim because Anaheim's on his list of teams to not go to. That the deal is done or was done and was just waiting on Falk to agree. I, and I, I, I scratched my head. I was like, how is Kasha for for a twenty eight year old guy, defenseman, going over the other side of thirty, over that proverbial hill, if you will, an a a, a trade that you want to make? Justin Falk is nobody that they don't already have in there, whether he's on the big league roster or exactly. if he's in if he's in San Diego. In Manson, in Manson, Fowler, and Josh in Lindholm, and Maher. He's I mean, not the guy and this is a team that struggled to score goals so how is it that you can suddenly get rid of buyout Corey Perry and cut Andre Kasha loose when Silverberg continues to underachieve and you've got a handful of unproven guys coming from the AHL like Steele and Comtois 
and you've got an aging Ryan Getzlaff. Why would Bob Murray make that trade? Speaking of Ilya Kovalchuk, why would anyone do that? Mm -hmm. And Murray's not a guy who makes a lot of impulsive decisions. He doesn't do much at all. He stands pat. I, I would have been willing to bet anything that he would never do that deal. Falk's not a guy. He's just, he's a depth guy. He's a five guy. I don't get it. I don't anyway. either. But, and we'll, we'll touch on it next week as we close out our tour in the NHL with the Central Division. But speaking of Corey Perry, that poor guy is injured again. And the year's not even started. Preseason hadn't even started when it came out that he was going to miss at least two weeks due to a, an injury. Uh. I don't think any getting off the bus in training camp. What I don't happened? think any Corey Perry fans want to hear it. Any Anaheim fans for the legacy he had in Anaheim want to hear it. But I think that guy is as close to being done as a guy can get in his NHL career at this point, just on an injury basis. That it guy. that yeah. if and if this year career. if this year doesn't pan out in Dallas, um, production wise and health wise, I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a guess that he signs a retirement deal back in Anaheim for one day to close out his career back in Anaheim yeah. and he, and he's done because it's just year. it's just the way it's just the way it, it is forget having a bad year Evan if he doesn't make it if he doesn't do something by US Thanksgiving that's the end of him yeah but anyways it's, we'll it's a shame because I'm a fan of the yeah, guy I, but, I like him he's, yeah. he's had a great life absolutely and and one thing I will agree with with our favorite Ducks fan is his jersey will be retired in Anaheim <laughs> He's got that yeah. legacy. His yeah. jersey will be retired. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyways, we'll we'll touch more on that next week when we when we close out this tour with the Central Division, uh, Dallas being in that division. But uh, just Top a mention to as we talk to him, who um, you got? Who, uh, who in this division? Now this division only, mm -hmm. which is not. This is by far not the best division. No. In the game, this is a this is a very mediocre division. Aside from maybe Vegas and Calgary, I got I'm, I got Calgary atop the division again. I'm gonna put Vegas second again. I'm gonna put um, Vancouver third. Right on. Um, I'm gonna say San Jose fourth. Perfect. And Arizona fifth. <laughs> yep. Anaheim six. Although. You know what? I'm going to change that around real quick. Um, I'm going to put Anaheim, then San Jose, then Arizona. Okay. I think yeah, Anaheim enough. has a pipeline and a, and the youth and the roster to to have the most potential out of those bottom teams from last year to get back to it. Um, so Calgary, Vegas, Vancouver, San Jose, San Jose. Anaheim. Anaheim. San Anaheim is right there with San Jose, just on the basis of what I was saying about Agreed. their age and yep. about their core. Totally um, but San Jose, Anaheim, Arizona, Edmonton, L.A. L.A. Yeah, I'm I'm right with you. I I Vegas and Calgary are are interchangeable. The Ducks could go to third. If they have a, if they get a big year out of those kids, Vancouver is going to be rock solid. Though Vancouver is going to be very good this year. Playoffs probably wild card at the best, but from there down, San Jose, uh, Arizona, Edmonton, L.A. 
Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough because this this division. It what well, is gonna be tough can, to the point of of Calgary, Vegas, Vancouver are kind of my in my prediction. They're the guarantees to be competitive teams. Yeah, agreed. The rest of the teams are teams that Anaheim is the one team that could go either way. And the rest of the teams are teams that could get lucky, yeah. but they're they're going to be competing for the for the bottom of the division, bottom of the conference lottery pick. That that's my prediction. Two weeks out of the season, two weeks away from the season, but that that's how I see the Pacific falling. I wish I had. If I was a GM, I would be trying to get LA's number one pick this year. Because you know, you know how the league works. Anytime you, if, anytime there's a GM in trouble, and I think Rob Blake was going to is going to be in trouble. Anytime there's a problem like that, there's a there's thirty other guys willing to throw you an anchor if mm-hmm. you're drowning. Yep, absolutely. But, but I'm with you. I I, I got it finishing up about the same way. So, and the only the question mark in Anaheim would be they could fall as far as six if they make that Falk trade. <laughs> <laughs> but if they don't, they could finish third in that division. Yeah, absolutely. But anyways, next week, uh, close out this little tour ahead of the season with the Central Division. Um, but aside from, I think, uh, our typical weekly question of what we're looking forward to uh, this coming week is self-explanatory yet again. Uh, not only the s- continued preseason and the season coming up in a couple weeks, but also um, hopefully see continued RFA signings, um, Ranton and Kachuk, Point, Connor, uh, those types of guys. Um, but w- this coming week, I am looking forward to finally seeing hockey on the ice. Yes. Um, see rosters start to get put together and uh, inch toward the October, uh, Octo- inch toward October first uh, for the week of of opening nights. So we're going to go, uh, and we're going into uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, we're going to be going in to see uh, CV's practice. Yep. Maybe uh, maybe catch a game, um, and we've got to get uh, here in the next couple of weeks. As soon as the season drops, we've got to go to uh, to Kelowna, mm-hmm. see what the Rockets are made of this year. Yep. So a lot a lot of hockey going on. But uh, thank you all for tuning in for another episode of War Room, the hockey podcast. This felt like a sped up episode. Uh, not a lot of pauses and and everything, but I uh, felt like a very fluid one, and I'm I'm happy with it. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, our listeners, the driving force behind what we do, we can't thank you enough for tuning in. Head to Facebook, give us a like. Head to Instagram, give us a follow. Um, War Room is now on Twitter as well. Beauty. Head to Twitter, follow us, submit some questions, uh, talk to us. Head to Spotify and Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and a review, and hit the subscribe button so you can be alerted to new episodes which come out every week, like clockwork. We're going to continue to do um, to do some more developmental stuff, aren't we? Didn't you tell me we were, uh, we're doing some more stuff with the KI, uh, with some of the local teams uh, around the interior here? Yep. And, uh, KI, keep an eye Jun- on some- KI Junior B, um, Summerland Steam here locally. Um, off to a 500 start, not a fast start, but they're, they start fairly well every year. So, um, we'll, uh, we'll look to at least get in with them a little bit and at least see what's going on. 
um, as well as the rest of the KI. Um, every week, um, you'll also start to see as we, as I touched on, as we touched on on, on social media yesterday, um, every week a player and or team to watch. Um, start the week off every Monday with with that, and um, so not only continue the developmental side, but also just enjoy being fans as well and enjoy seeing hockey start up and uh, see the game get played this year for the 1920 season. But ep- episodes will continue to come out every week like clockwork. Yes, so that's not, that's not a question. Um, anyways, thank you for tuning in. Like, follow, subscribe, rate and review. Um, write in questions. We appreciate the support. Thank you for joining me this week. Always. Um, Love it. I'm Evan Rauer with War Love Room, it. the hockey podcast, and I look forward to seeing you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.